is faithful. I'm going to be in Matthew 28 this morning. I hope you brought a sword. Uh, if you're using a Derringer, if you've got a Bible app on your phone, that's cool. Uh, we're going to be in the NIV translation. If you want to pick a translation, a New International Version. This morning, not reading quite as many verses as last week. But we're going to look at another appearance of Jesus uh, to his disciples uh, after he rose from the dead. I don't know about you, but I'm still excited about the resurrection. Jesus is alive. I'm so thankful for my fellowship with him uh, every day of my life. It was a revelation for me when I realized Jesus was a person. That my relationship with Jesus and my relationship with the Holy Spirit was with a person. It, it changed uh, my life, changed my faith. It wasn't a theology, it wasn't a concept, it was a person. His name is Jesus. There's one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ, who died as a sacrifice for our sins. And I'm, I'm thankful he's lied. lied. I'm in alive. Sorry about that. I'm so thankful he's alive. This time we're up on a mountain, by the way, uh, in the region of Galilee. Uh, how many have climbed hogs back, back up here? Maybe uh, anyone, uh, Mount McLaughlin? A few of us. Mount Shasta down here. Three sisters. Jefferson. Hood. Isn't it great to get up on a mountain? Get some perspective. Get a view. Uh, this morning I want to talk about gaining perspective. In regard to what's going on in your life. In regard to what's going on in the world. How about gaining some perspective this morning? Does that sound okay with you? I'm going to begin reading in verse uh, 16. We'll read down through verse 20. It says, uh, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to a mountain uh, where Jesus had told them to go. Verse 17. Uh, when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority and in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I don't know how many times you have read these verses, maybe in devotion or devotional, or uh, maybe heard them in sermons, but this is the first time this last week where I noticed they were up on a mountain when Jesus gave them vision and perspective uh, for their lives. We refer to this section as the Great Commission. But when you look at the Bible, mountains were pretty important throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. They are meeting places with God. Moses, remember the burning bush, uh, when God called him to lead the nation of Israel, it took place on a mountain. There's something about this picture of retreating from the world, going to the high place, away from worldly view, uh, uh, worldly wisdom, maybe you'd call it, or add it. There's something about uh, Moses receiving the Ten Commandments up on a mountain. Elijah uh, calling uh, down fire, if you remember, when he challenged the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, the God who answers by fire, he is God. Uh, Jesus taught his uh, probably 
most famous uh, sermon up on a mountain, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And here in uh, Matthew 28, he gives his final message to his disciples up on top of a mountain, giving them vision and perspective. Let me read verse 18 through 20 again this morning. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. The first thing that is significant in this section for me is that Jesus came to them. Jesus was dead. Do you remember? Jesus was dead. They watched. They watched the Jewish leaders. They watched the authorities of this world. They watched them arrest him and falsely accuse him and manipulate the crowd and bribe the people to ask for Barabbas to be released rather than Jesus. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I watch the news or, you know, when we get caught up in the things of the world, it's like it's oppressive because you can feel the manipulation and the scheming. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Am I just preaching out there to the, the wind? Spitting in the wind up here, preacher. Spitting in the wind. They felt that. They felt that oppression. Okay, they watched uh, Roman soldiers spit on him beat him, execute him through crucifixion. But the authorities of this world, even death could not hold him. He came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me Therefore, go. Could, could we honor him by clapping this morning and thanking him? All authority. All authority. Now, think about that with me. I, you know, unfortunately, sometimes we read the Bible and we don't get it. Uh, you know, we kind of, you know, it becomes familiar. Can I read a verse to you? I, I'm taking this off track. It's my spiritual gift. But, uh, you know, if you've got a Bible, if you want to turn to Isaiah 66, verse 2. I didn't give this to uh, the PowerPoint this morning, but I, I was just doing my devotion this morning. I read Isaiah 66, um, verse 2. Here's what the Lord says. He says, My hands have made both heaven and earth. They and everything in them are mine. Let me read that part again. I don't know if you believe the Bible. Anyone believe the Bible? Okay, can I read that again? Okay. My hands, the Lord says, my hands have made both heaven and earth. They and everything in them are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken. And then I will bless those 
who have humble and contrite hearts who tremble at my word. Wouldn't it be something if we trembled at God's word? I'm not trying to frighten anyone this morning, by the way. But wouldn't it be something if we just just didn't read another book, listen to another sermon, watch, watch another video, or hear another tape? Wouldn't it be something if we trembled? And I mean that in a holy and reverent and respectful way, certainly not a fearful way. But, but wouldn't it be something if we literally trembled at God's word, had reverence and awe? for the power of God's word. See, here's what Jesus said. This is his word. He's alive. (laughs) In light of all the authorities of this world, in light of brutality, hatred, all all the things, and and, and for you, sometimes you carry the weight of the world. I know you do. If you look at the news, if you're just carrying the dysfunction in your own family sometimes, you're carrying the weight of the world. You're just looking at your own weaknesses. How many know the law of sins that work in all of our members? It's overwhelming sometimes. It's absolutely overwhelming. But Jesus is alive. He's our hope. You're all I want. You know, he's, he's our hope. And he rose from the dead. And he came to his disciples on the mountain to give them perspective. And here's what he said. All authority, all authority, let me say it one more time, I don't want you to forget, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It was Jesus' reward for his obedience to the Father going to the cross. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, this is your assignment. This is your focus. Gain perspective from the mountaintop. Therefore, go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all I've commanded with you. And surely, I am with you always even to the ends of the age. I I don't know how the disciples felt when they said that. They certainly were encouraged by Jesus and his presence. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. But can you imagine the challenge? Go into all the world. I mean, they didn't have buses. They they didn't have airlines. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have television. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They they couldn't even break out of Judaism hardly to do that. In the name of the Father, that, that was relatively new. God as Father wasn't mentioned much in the Old Testament at all. The idea that God was a loving Father, Jesus taught them to pray like this, Abba, Father, Papa, Daddy. It was so new baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son. The Son, totally new. The Son of God, 
who loved us so much that he would die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, that literally shattered and divided the nation of Israel. The idea that God, who is one, how many know there is one? Father, Son, and then the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. This, <clears throat> I mean, you think you have challenges. <laughs> I think I have challenges. I can't imagine how intimidating the calling was. But here's the good news. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus said. And then he said, surely I am with you always to the very ends of the age. Hallelujah. Does that help you with perspective? I, I think the Lord hopefully wants to encourage us this morning and make our life simple and clear. This is it. This is what it's all about. I know you have jobs, you have families, you have things to care about, but this is it. This is what you invest your life in. All authority and heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, or as you go, as you work, wherever you are, make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, anyway, there are at least three things that I need to do if I'm going to dedicate my life and fulfill this task. Number one, I need to cut the rope. Number two, I need to redeem the time. Number three, I need to seed the clouds. We're going to talk about those three things here this morning for a couple of minutes. Number one, cut the rope. Could we say it together? Cut the rope, okay? I think all of us have been in an elevator somewhere. <laughs> Maybe not in Klamath, but somewhere, you know, motels larger city, whatever. You know when the elevator was invented? 1853. A man named Elisha Otis. Don't know if you've ever heard of an Otis elevator. Elisha Otis. He was having a hard time selling the idea of an elevator, okay? Uh, cities were growing. Taller buildings were being built. Places like, like New York, and Chicago, and stairs were long and exhausting. He came up with this idea of an elevator and, 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 and literally came up with the idea of a safety brake system that would stop it if it began to fall. But people were terrified of an elevator because it was strange and it was new. And you were in this little box and no one would get in them. No one even tried them. He was having a tough time selling his idea. So in the 1853, at the World's Fair in New York City, he pulled off a pretty amazing stunt. He, he built the frame of an elevator shaft so that everyone could see it. Uh, there was a platform, one rope holding it up. Gathered a crowd of thousands of people and uh, had an axe man cut the rope. And the platform began to plunge and people went, <gasps> and then it stopped in about three feet. And he said, it's okay, everyone. I'm safe. Everybody cheered. Elevator became a big hit. I mean, every builder needed one. You know, he had orders uh, far beyond what he could fulfill.
many know that safety is pretty important to us? Safety. Safety. Everything's about being safe these days, by the way. <clears throat> Almost to the point where we're wrapped up in ropes. You know what I'm talking about? It, it, it can become that intimidating. Our safety is so important. I mean, know sometimes our fears aren't practical. We're just afraid of things we, we don't understand anything about. Uh, we, we don't, we, we, false ideas. We can have fears over false ideas. They're not true, but we're, we're afraid. We can have false assumptions. We can have um, untruths, lies. I mean, no, Satan's father lies. And, and so um, here we have Jesus. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. And we're terrified. Held by ropes. Fears. Now, we don't like to talk about our fears. I, I read a little story of a, a little boy asked his, his father. He said, Daddy, are you afraid of spiders? Daddy said, no, I'm not afraid of spiders. <clears throat> said, Daddy, are you afraid of snakes? No, I'm not afraid of snakes, son. Daddy, are you afraid of robbers? No, I'm not afraid of robbers. Daddy, are you afraid of thunder? No, not afraid of thunder. Daddy, are you afraid of ghosts? No, not afraid of ghosts. said, gee, Daddy, I guess the only thing you're afraid of is Mommy. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, you know, none of us like to talk about our fears, but how many know we have them? And, and they're like ropes. They hold us back. The disciples were frightened. They really were. They had left everything to follow Jesus. And he died. And they, they didn't understand what was happening yet. He, he died. And they left their culture. They, he, they left their belief system that they'd been raised with in synagogue as young little boys and girls and uh, so it was literally terrifying just a, a, a terrifying time at some point you have to cut the rope at, at some point playing it safe is not safe at some point the greatest risk in life is taking no risk. How many know God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind? <laughs> we need to cut the rope. Just, just important for us to, to, to think about that. I, I love the perspective Jesus gives to leaven frightened men. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. Now, what's interesting here in verse 16 and 17, could I read it to you again? It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Isn't that interesting? They saw him. But some doubted. See, faith and doubt will always exist together. It's, it's true in the world around us. It's true in church here this morning. 
and it's true within your own soul. Okay, faith and doubt will always exist together because our calling as followers of Jesus Christ is a supernatural calling. It's miraculous. We, we believe in someone we can't see. Isn't that amazing? We base our life on a word that the world has rejected. It's, it's amazing. And our mind can't conceive, nor can it understand the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Faith and doubt will always exist together. And we see it here in verse 17. Some doubted. They, they couldn't get their mind around it. And sometimes in our life, if Jesus is calling you into a deeper relationship, we, we've all heard his voice, haven't we, at times? And yet our mind talks us out of it. You know what I'm saying? Because faith and doubt always exist to, together in our life. Hebrews 3, verse 15, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Whatever you don't do today, you are less likely to do tomorrow. Because your senses become duller in regard to the things that God is calling you to do. And sometimes, whether we want to admit it or not, our hearts become harder. It's just important. It's time to cut the rope. Could we say it? Cut the rope. Cut the rope. Tell your neighbor, you need to cut the rope. You're all wrapped up, tied up, tangled all up in Jesus. I'm all wrapped up. Anyway, never mind. <clears throat> Number two, redeem the time. Redeem the time. Did you know that God is in the business of strategically positioning you in the right place at the right time? Life is not an accident. God is in the business of strategically placing you or positioning you in the right place at the right time. It says in Ephesians 2 verse 10, He has prepared good works in advance for you to do. Hallelujah. Proverbs 16, verse 9 says, The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. Your life's not an accident. The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. Philippians 1, verse 6, He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus, our Lord. To, to put it simply, what I'm trying to say is, God is setting you up. God is setting you up. He's setting you up in your life to be fruitful. He, he's setting you up in your life to share in his mission. Jesus, on the night he, was, uh, he rose from the dead, he appeared to his disciples, remember? And he breathed on them and said, uh, uh, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. A and then this is what he said. He said, he said to them, um, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. We, we, have a, we have a mission to fulfill. And he is setting you up. Now, there are two different words in the New Testament for time. Chronos and Kairos. And uh, Chronos has to do with chronology. It has to do with your calendar. It has to do with seconds and minutes and hours and past and present and future. Chronos uh, is sequential. It has to do with managing your calendar. And how many know if you don't control your calendar, your calendar will control you? Okay, we all know that's true. That's 
chronos, but there's also kairos. And, and kairos is not minutes, it's moments. This is what life is all about. I know we have things to do, we have schedules to keep, but kairos is not about minutes. Kairos is about moments. It's about making the most of an opportunity. Kairos doesn't keep time, it makes time. It discerns a holy moment, a divine opportunity, and when it does, it takes off its shoes like Moses did because it's standing on holy ground. That's kairos. And of course, Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 says, don't be unwise, but wise. Uh, making the most of your time or redeeming the time because the day is evil. Now, <clears throat> I had one of those moments uh, this last week. Our grandkids were over Wednesday afternoon uh, into the evening, and somehow our toilet got plugged. <laughs> Who would think? I mean, how, how do those things happen? I don't know. I, I don't know. How, how many things like that happen in your house? Uh, yeah, no one knows how it happened. But anyway, it got plugged. Okay, I was busy. I didn't have time to really deal with it. Uh, so, you know, tried the plunger, tried a little snake, didn't work. So Friday morning, my wife reminds me, thank you, honey. Um, you need to call the Roto-Rooter guy, you know. So I called Butler here in town, and, you know, I knew it would take time because everybody's busy right now. I mean, electricians, plumbers, everybody. So, you know, I called. I didn't expect to get anything done till next week sometime. And the lady says, well, I'm sorry. It'll probably be, you know, at least Monday, maybe mid-next week before we can get to you. And I said, that's okay. I got a couple toilets other than that one. So we're good uh, here in my house. Two minutes later. Uh, a, a guy calls and he says, I'm so-and-so from Butler. He said, I'm right down the street. I just finished a job. Uh, the lady gave me your name and number. Would you like me to come right now? <laughs> this is weird. Sure, five, less than five minutes, he's at my door. So I thought that was interesting. He walked in, I looked at him a little bit and said, I've seen you before. He looked at me like, whoa, he's a young, you know, early 20s guy. And I, I said, yeah, I've seen you before. I said, have you ever been to Klamath Christian Center? My name's Scott Hines, the pastor there. He said, well, years ago when I was in high school, I went to the 120. I said, oh, really? Pastor Ben, he was the, uh, the pastor, the leader of 120. Uh, he said, yeah, Pastor Ben, I think he took a job up in Bend, Oregon. I said, yeah, yeah, he did. He was awesome. He talked about it a little bit. I said, that's great. That's wonderful. He had a job to do. I said, let him start the job. So, uh, you know, it took about two minutes. He ran this thing down there. There's this plastic cup that was caught in my toilet. He fishes it out. <laughs> How did that happen? How did those things get there? I have no idea. Anyway, okay. So, uh, anyway, I said, well, thank you, and how much do I owe you? And he said, oh, just a minute. He said, I got I to gotta flush toilet paper down 10 times, make sure the line is clear. He said, if there's any other piece or whatever, and the toilet paper gets caught around it, it'll plug, and uh, I'll be able to make sure your line is clear. I thought, hallelujah, I got more time. This is not an accident. He called me two minutes after I called. I, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I'll tell you, I knew God orchestrated something here, and he had been to the 120, so he's standing there ripping up toilet paper and throwing it down the toilet. Whoosh, you know, Thankfully, it takes forever for that thing to fill up. And so, I, you know, I just got to say, well, you know, I hope you don't mind me asking, but did you ever commit your life to Jesus when you were going to the 120? 
you know, he got real nervous at that point, as, you know, lots of people do, and that's fine. I wasn't trying to be preachy. I just, I just, okay, this is Kairos, okay? It's a divine moment, okay? Kronos worries about minutes. Kairos worries about moments. Redeem the time. The days are evil. I might not get another shot at this guy, you know, ever in my life. And so I just asked him, did you commit your life to Christ? Uh, there at 120. He got all nervous. He said no. And, and uh, you know, he said, been busy. You know, I love to go water skiing down at Shasta. Change the subject. You're okay. We're... So his idea of Christianity is going to church. And, you know, I could tell that right away because he wanted to talk about how busy he was and all the things he was doing. I don't know if any of your friends talk about all that when you try to get a little more intimate about faith and about, about God. And I just said, well, you know, regardless of what you're doing, Jesus loves you. Died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins, and he's, he's there. He's closer than you think. All you got to do is talk to him. Now, I don't know if you'd be comfortable doing that or not, but I, you know, I've got a big mouth, and uh, I, you know, I witness all the time. So that's pretty comfortable for me. I get to practice on weddings and funerals and sermons and stuff like that so it's it, it might be a little more comfortable for me than you but that, that was kind of the end of it uh, I knew he's a little bit uncomfortable but uh, you know he wrote me a slip and I wrote him a check but but here's the verse I want to read Romans 10 verse uh, 13 through 15 it says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved but how can they call on one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? As it is written, how lovely on the mountains are the feet of them that bring good news. I, I don't always have the right things to say, I'll be honest with you, I'm as tongue-tied as Anybody, I, I wish sometimes I had said, you know, you always think about the thing you should have said when, after they leave, you know what I'm saying? Every time, every time, it happens to me too. But what I do know is the Holy Spirit draws people, and all I can do is plant seeds. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is sent into the world to convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Sin that people don't believe and the only Son of God. See, the issue in the world is Jesus. It's not politics. It, it's not in what's going on in, in our culture or our society. The issue is about Jesus Christ. And how can I say this nicely? I think we waste our witness if we talk about politics. I, I think we need to talk about Jesus. And I think it would be great to man up a little bit and quit talking about things that aren't important. Not, not, not that we don't care deeply. Please misunderstand. Don't, thank you. But I care deeply about what's happening. I care deeply for my children and my grandchildren. Every one of us in this room should care deeply. But please care deeply. Pray. Truth is important. And It's, it's leaving rapidly, okay? But all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. There's salvation in no one else. 
other than the name of Jesus. And I pray for our nation, but far more I pray for salvation. I, I, I don't think the nation can save anybody. It can be a better nation, and it can help provide a better life and a better lifestyle, but without revival. You know what I'm saying? We don't come back to Jesus and then come back to the truth. It's just super important for us to understand where the battle is. The battleground is about who is Jesus Christ. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them. This is a challenge. Teaching them. This is all of our job. Who are you mentoring? Who are you discipling? Teaching them. Teaching them to obey all I've commanded. Now, the challenge for me with that is I've got to start obeying it first. You know what I mean? That's the challenge. But nevertheless, that is the calling. Teaching them to obey all I've commanded. And surely, I'm with you always to the very ends of the age. I believe that God is at work in the world. I believe he strategically puts me in the right place at the right time. I don't believe life is an accident. I don't. I believe the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. And when I get dressed in the morning, I want to put on Christ. I, I, I want to clothe myself with Jesus Christ. I want to be prepared with the gospel in my heart. I want to have the shoes on, you know, pre shoes uh, with the preparation of the gospel of, of peace in my life. I, I, want, to, I want to be ready uh, if the Lord gives me the opportunity. It's time to cut the rope and it's time to redeem the time. And number three, time to seed the clouds. Seed the clouds, okay? November 13th, 1946. I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, but a plane took off from Schenectady. Can someone say it? Schenectady. Something like that. Anyway, it's an airport, okay? Upstate New York. That's all I know. Uh, it, it had a payload of six pounds of dry ice. Its mission, seed the clouds. And so, uh, anyway, up there in the cloud, they, they dumped it off, and the, the cloud literally exploded. The, the solidified carbon dioxide uh, caused a snowstorm uh, that, of course, turned to rain before it hit the ground. Uh, they could see it from 40 miles away. And uh, the science of seeding clouds was discovered. Of course, they use a lot of things today. They use silver oxide. They, they use table salt. They use a variety of different things. Uh, countries like Vietnam, China, Dubai... Uh, when they've gone through long seasons of drought, have seeded the clouds. Um, hoping for measurable rainfall. But the idea started a thousand years before Jesus uh, was born. A man named Elijah uh, seeded the clouds with prayer. How many know the story? First Kings 18. Uh, during the time of drought in Israel's history, for three and a half years, uh, it hadn't rained he climbed to the top of a mountain, uh, put his head between his knees. I have no idea how he did that. And prayed. 
Uh, I, I love James 5, verse 17 through 18. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. And then it goes on to say in the NAS translation, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man can't accomplish much. Do you believe in prayer? Do you pray? Has it ever moved you physically to the point where you've dropped to your knees? Can you imagine? Head between your knees. I, I could never get there. Does it move you in your gut? Does it move you deep in your soul, your prayer? Prayer for righteousness in our nation, but prayer for salvation for the people who are lost without a shepherd and don't know who he is. We, we have a message to tell. Jesus is the one that, of course, the whole world is looking for, but they're looking for a God of their own imagination. That's what's happening in our culture. We're creating a God of our own imagination and you know, removing the truths uh, that were part of our culture at one point in our history. And it's deeply sad, devastating for the generations to come. Devastating. We should pray. And I hope you are. The Bible tells us to pray for those in authority over us. We should pray, and I hope this is not another sermon that you're listening to. I hope you will tremble at the Word of God. Tremble. Tremble at the Word of God. Because it's that real it's that powerful it's it's that important that we would literally tremble at the authority of his word all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me the question how much authority have you given jesus in your life just all these things. When I, when I read a scripture like this, I, there's just so many things that I'm trying to process and bring my life to account with in regard to who Jesus is. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come. Jesus said, ask and it'll be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open." You being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Holy Spirit, will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Uh, maybe we could stand together. And uh, Heavenly Father, we come in Jesus' name through the power of the Holy Spirit to tremble at your word. Lord, that's, that's our heart's desire here today. We, we thank you for the power and the authority of your word. Lord, for some of us, it's time to cut the rope. And I, I don't know what that means, Lord, things that 
maybe uh, risks we don't want to take, fear of giving Jesus everything, trusting him completely with all of our life. Or sometimes it's time to cut the rope and we sense it, but there's a battle going on because faith and doubt, Lord, they, they linger together. Lord, I pray for me in those areas of my soul where I struggle and I, I pray that for every one of us here this morning. It's time to redeem the time. Lord, the things that we don't do today, put off to tomorrow, uh, honestly, if we, if we looked, uh, they will never get done. And I, I don't know, Lord. I just, I just don't want to go through my life without taking the risk, without taking the step of faith, without trusting you. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. And so I just, just ask you to help me with that this morning. And Lord, help me see the clouds. <laughs> Lord, each one of us, uh, Lord, we have time to pray. We can make time to pray, Lord. And so, Lord, I'm so thankful for the example in James that uh, Elisha was a man like us. He prayed that it wouldn't rain. It didn't rain for three and a half years, and he prayed, and it rained. Lord, Lord, move by your spirit through our life. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. We thank you so much for your presence and your power and your love. We thank you for one another. Just, Lord, the fellowship we experience here this morning, just the encouragement each person passes on. Lord, to me, Lord, to each one of us, we thank you for your presence here among your church today. And thank you for the privilege of partnering in the Great Commission. We love you today. Pray these things in your wonderful name. Let's say amen together. Amen. God bless.